0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. Can the internet be made more social? This is a question with which Joe Krause, Director of Product Management at Google, constantly has to grapple. He believes every killer app on the web Instant messaging, email, blogging, photo sharing has succeeded because it helps people connect with one another. For Krauss, this means the Internet has an inherently social character that can be enhanced further, an area he continues to explore through Google initiatives such as Open Social and Friend Connect. Wharton Legal Studies professor Kevin Warbach spoke with Krauss recently about the increasing socialization of the Internet. Krauss will speak about social computing at the Supernova Conference. In San Francisco on June 16th. Hi, this is Kevin Werbach, professor at the Wharton School and organizer of the Supernova Conference. I'm speaking today with Joe Kraus, director of product management at Google. Uh, and um, truth be told, uh, a former uh, high school mate of mine uh, many years ago. So good to talk to you, Joe.
1: Good talking to you. That was too long ago.
0: Uh, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Um Yeah. So um, you've done some interesting things in your career. You were one of the founders of Excite, uh, the early web portal, um, and then started a company called Jot that was doing um, wikis and, and collaboration software, which got bought by Google. Um, and then uh, uh, to those of us on the outside, it seemed like you kind of disappeared into Google for a while, and now you've, now you've come back out. So tell us what you've been working on.
1: Uh, well, so for the last year, I've been working on uh, Google's social initiatives, which are really kind of in a couple of main buckets, but probably the largest one is the notion of how do you make the whole web social? So the killer apps that have really worked on the web have always been about connecting people to one another. So whether it is instant messaging and email as communications to connect people to one another, whether it's photo sharing as a way to connect people to one another through their photos or blogging as a way to connect people to one another through their words. Um, People have always been social, and the killer apps that have really succeeded on the web have always been social. And really, the primary set of initiatives at Google that I work on are how do you make uh, the whole web a more social place? Uh, The... You know, a lot of that is divided into a couple of buckets. Um, one is this thing called Open Social, which we can talk more about, and another is a product we recently launched called uh, Friend Connect. Um, but that's just the general rubric of how do you make the whole web a more social place.
0: But, but it sounds like, as you say, I mean, the web is already pretty social. Why do you need something to 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 layer on top of what's already there?
1: Well, I think the notion is that if you look at the way social activity happens today. A lot of it is concentrated in social networks, MySpace, Facebook, or depending on what your geography is, there's usually a dominant social network in your geography. It is a global phenomenon um, with hundreds and hundreds of millions of users in these social networks. But what's interesting about it is that it's kind of an odd concept at a bigger level, which is that I have to go to a particular site in order to be social with my friends. It reminds me a lot of the early days of user-generated content. When that. Before people realized that was a theme, they thought it was a set of sites. I went to Wikipedia to do user-generated content, or I went to a shopping review site or product review site to do user-generated content. And then slowly but surely, people recognized that user-generated content isn't a site. It is a concept that can be applied to almost every site. And so today, almost anywhere I go on the web, I have the ability to rate something or leave a comment or write a review. From the New York Times to Amazon, I have an ability to now contribute to the conversation going on across the web. I think social is kind of a similar theme. Today, people think of social as social networks, a set of sites that I go to where I establish relationships with friends, and it's in the context of those sites that I do stuff with them. Our view at Google is that's a transitionary phase in the development of the whole social web, and that those friend relationships that you create on these sites should be usable and portable and uh, uh, allow you to get benefit no matter where you go on the web. I mean, imagine a scenario where when I go to eBay and I am buying something, I today eBay uses user-generated content as a way to do reputation, so I can see what's the reviews of this seller. But it would be also nice to see, well, have any of my friends or friends of friends actually review that particular seller? Uh, you know, today I go to a lot of specialty sites, so... Uh, you know, I'm into trail uh, hiking and, you know, I go to sites like protrails.com, it would be nice if I could actually have social interactions with people on those sites without those sites having to, quote, become a social network. So the idea is how do you take these relationships that you've built in these siloed sites and make them useful across the web and I think the transition that we're going through of social being something you do in sites to something you do across the web is very similar, or feels similar, at least to me, to the way we looked at user-generated content maybe seven, six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: So that, that's probably a good a good segue to talk about open social. Um, can you explain what what exactly that means and how it how it implements some of the things you're talking about?
1: Uh, sure. So open social itself is really just a specification. It is a a uh, way of allowing developers to write applications which run inside of, typically, social networks. So, uh, now, a little over a year ago, um, Facebook opened up, it uh, created a platform to allow third parties to write applications that ran inside Facebook. And the idea was very simple. The idea is that inside of social networks, You want people to be able to do things with your friends. So typical interaction was you go around and you make friends with a bunch of people, and then you need to do things with them, and pretty quickly you can get bored. And pretty quickly the company itself who runs the social network runs out of an ability to write things because they just don't have enough people for their users to do. And so the idea is how do you allow third parties who have new ideas for interactions between friends uh to get those applications those interactions into a social network what open social really is is a specification that allows for third party developers to write applications to a single set of APIs and get it distributed in any social network that runs the open, so- open social so uh you know the world was shaping up three maybe 9 months ago to be a world that would be akin to not having Windows, Mac, and Linux, where a developer has to decide which operating system do I write my application for. I have to choose among three. It was shaping up to be a world where almost every social network was going to create their own proprietary platform, and a developer would have to choose among 17 or 18 or 20 different uh, platforms to write for. It was going to be a very difficult situation for developers because they couldn't get their application in as many places as they wanted, and all the social networks had a problem, which is, they couldn't run, uh, they couldn't uh, get as many interactions um, or applications for their users to use, and they would have to fight for developer attention. Open social is an open community standard uh, that allows for, instead of there being you know, 20 fragmented platforms, a single platform that developers can write to and get their application distributed. So, MySpace runs open social. Hi5 runs open social. LinkedIn will be running open social. Uh, You know, several months from now, uh, Friendster, uh, in Europe, folks like Hives, uh, you know, social networks around the world now totaling about 275 million users are running Open Social, which really means that developers can write their application once and with very little modification have it running in all these places. So that's Open Social. It's a way for third party developers to get their applications running in social networks. Now, a product we launched in, uh, kind of a preview release about two and a half to three weeks ago is something called Friend Connect. So Friend Connect is really the other side of that. It's more about how do you make the whole web social, whereas Open Social is about how do you get distribution for developers on social networks. So what Friend Connect does is it allows, uh, like AdSense, where you copy and paste a little bit of JavaScript in order to get advertising on your site. Friend Connect allows a website owner, a webmaster, to copy and paste a little bit of JavaScript and suddenly have their site be able to run open social applications and allows users of those sites to be able to bring their friends to that site. Let me give you an example. If you go to IngridMichelson.com, she's an independent musician. Probably most people don't know her music from the radio, but if you watch Grey's Anatomy or you've seen Old Navy commercials, uh, you've heard her music. And on IngridMichelson.com, using Friend Connect, Ingrid's webmaster can run the I Like Music Sharing application. What that allows for is now as a user I go to IngridMichelson.com and instead of there just being static content, because I Like has put this, because the webmaster has put the I Like application there, I can listen to her music. I can rate and review her music. I can share my commentary with, uh, with my friends. Uh, I can say whether I want to go to our concerts, and all of that information, if I so choose, gets shared with my friends from social networks that I happen to belong to. So the user experience, I go to IngridMichelson.com, I can log in, and then I can link in my social networks, I can link in my uh, Orchid social network, I can link in my Hi5 social network, and so that suddenly my friends from those social networks are now with me on IngridMichelson.com, and sharing the experience that I have in terms of uh, seeing what music I like of hers, what concerts I want to go to. So it's taking those friend relationships that i built in these silos and making it useful across the web. That's really what Friend Connect is about.
0: Mm-hmm. But now Facebook isn't part of this, either of these.
1: That is correct.
0: we And, yeah. I mean, we... The cynical, the cynical view is, is, I mean, is basically this is Google attempting to route around, open up the, the thing that Facebook uses as the essence of its business model.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't see it that way. I see it as users have established these relationships on these social networks and they want to use them in more places. People have spent time categorizing and classifying their uh, relationships with other people, be it coworkers or friends or family. What Friend Connect is really about is just allowing those relationships to be more useful in more places. Google doesn't store any social graph data on its servers. We merely allow third parties like IngridMichelson.com or ProTrails or bloggers to basically use, uh, allow their users to use that data to make their sites better.
0: So what do you how do you think this this plays out what is, what is determinative in terms of which social platform uh, you know is the one that ultimately wins out?
1: Well I mean I, I really think that the one I, I really think that openness does over the long term win the day. Any platform for running applications that is open and community driven and uh, has Flexible and open licenses uh, and a flexible and open development process is going to win. And I think that any system which allows a user to use their friend relationships and merge those friend relationships across multiple social networks ultimately wins. I mean, because I think in the end, what this is really about is users have created value. They put data into these places. They want to be able to successfully use that data in in more places across the web. And I, I really think in the end this is a question about um, users having control over how they use the information uh, around who their friends are and making it available in more places with user control. So I think it plays out as the web will ultimately become more social. Users will be able to, on any site, use uh, friend relationships they've established from anywhere that's where I think it goes. Uh, it, it may be a bumpy road to get there, but I do think that's ultimately where it has to go.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of subtlety, though, in, in this question of what kind of control users want and need, and, and who can provide it to them. Um, and so, so, I'm curious if you know your your experiences or, or thoughts in terms of how this evolves. You know, how much, uh, your granularity and control needs to be pushed out directly to users to set up all these preferences in some sort of independent way versus what gets provided at least as a default by, by some intermediary.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's always the tricky balance and I have a feeling that it will be gotten right most of the time and wrong some of the time and then it'll iterate and be fixed. I mean, this is one of these classic kind of user conversations that you know, back in 94, we were talking about how you know, we had all these stories about worrying about credit card transactions on the web. And that was a cycle that went through about a year and a half of people being really fearful. And then a common set of practices came about. Or if you look at uh, the way, um, you know, email usage was, we all used to get jokes forwarded from people as they first came on email. And then kind of a social pattern took hold. I think it's a combination of creating a set of patterns about how, what expectations users have in terms of, you know, how much control do they want. My view is that users should have complete control over what they do, uh, complete control over what information gets shared with whom, uh, and that you really do the best you can to put the user in the driver's seat. Obviously, there's questions about how do you make that a UI that everybody can understand, Um But I think that if you start with the rubric of the user should have complete control over who sees what information about them and who sees what information about their friend relationships, then I think you're starting in the right place.
0: Are there things that that are not social or that people don't want to be social? Or do you think that that this is going to be something that pervades every kind of experience that we have on the web?
1: I think it will be available in every experience you have on the web. It may not be something that you use. You know, and I I think the truth is that there's this blend between social networks are usually about people you know and connecting with people you know. Community sites have usually been about connecting with people you might not know but share an interest with. And I think what you're seeing is a spectrum. You're going to see this merging. Like if you look at IngridMichelson.com, a lot of the social activity that's going there is not between people that know one another and happen to share an interest in Ingrid Michaelson. It's more on the community end of the spectrum, which is people that share an interest in IngridMichelson.com who are connecting through her website and creating some kind of relationship with one another. Fandom, if you will, is kind of the, the notion of that relationship as opposed to friendship. Um, but you also have elements of uh, kind of the typical social experience where of my 300 friends on, you know, high five, let's say, a few of them, after seeing that I've been at in Ingrid Michelson, might check it out and also become fans who also happen to be friends. So I think the web has kind of a spectrum of experiences from the individual, it's just me and the website and we're interacting, through community, which is that strangers end up connecting through mutual fandom of something, be it you know, trail running or Ingrid Michelson, all the way through what's you know, today, the social experience of I have my friends with me as I go around on the web. Mm -hmm. So I think the truth is that community and social experience will be available nearly everywhere. You don't have to take advantage of it. Just like with user-generated content, I use the New York Times or I use Amazon. I benefit from a lot of that user-generated content, even if I don't myself create it. Mm
0: -hmm. One of the things that I find people don't a lot of people on the outside don't understand about Google is this, you know, the, the notion of "don't be evil" and and the way that Google thinks about business in a, in a different way than, than than most companies. And this this whole thing we've been talking about the social computing is one of those areas where I feel like there's there's a lot of of confusion and and some degree of mistrust where people say, oh, Google's getting into this because they want to just do more targeted advertising and and invade people's privacy and make more money. I I don't think that 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 that's the the core of it. But uh, can you talk from your perspective about how how does it serve Google's interest as a company to be building out this the, the kind of social platforms that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I understand the notion that a company of Google size often gets perceived as having a grand master plan of the way the world is going to work over the next you know ten years, and that you know that. I can understand how people might project something diabolical. Uh the truth is far more simple than that. That the truth is that Google Google's fate is directly tied to how good the web is. You know, as the web goes, so goes Google. If you look at something like Google Gears. Google Gears tried to solve a problem of one deficiency of the web, which is it didn't work offline. And the reason that Google did Google Gears was not because there was some grand plan to make more money as a result of Google Gears, but as a result of the fact that by making the web better, and by making it a place where people spend more time, uh, where people store more information, that ultimately that benefits Google indirectly. The more time people spend online, the more likely they are to do more searching, and the more money that Google makes. So it's incre- it is very indirect, but it is also that betting on the web as a, as the platform of, you know, the next decade. And so, Open Social is like that as well. Open Social doesn't have any monetization component. You know, if you're an Open Social container, like MySpace, you don't have to use AdSense. Uh, you can use whatever advertising system you want. You don't have to have advertising. So this is really about making the web better, making it a great platform for developers and users. And ultimately, because Google uh is a big part of people's web experience, the belief is that the better the web is, the more time, the more uh you know, even if you just boil it down to the more searches people do, that's ultimately what the benefit is. But Google, you know, we just held Google I.O. which was our annual developer conference. And the whole theme and all the things we're doing were really about how do we make the web a better place for users and developers. So for developers, be it App Engine as a way to allow developers to have an easy development and deployment environment for applications so you don't have to build so much from scratch. Or Gears in terms of making your applications both work offline and having a local data store so you can do more for end users. Or open social, uh, or all the APIs that Google is providing. It's really about how do you make the web a better experience. And ultimately, we think Google benefits from that.
0: Mm-hmm. So so just by way of wrapping up, uh we could we could talk more about any of these things for for a while, um, and you're going to be Joe's going to be speaking at uh the Supernova two thousand eight conference coming up uh June 15th to eighteen in San Francisco. But let me just ask you one more question for this interview, which is um you and I actually have actually both been involved in the web industry since since fairly early on, which is now going on close to fifteen years. Um it's hard to believe. Um how much do you, do you think that that things have really fundamentally changed in terms of the the value proposition of the web and, and and the opportunity? And how much is it primarily just that that things have scaled up and the the user base now is so huge and so representative of society as a whole um, that that things that were were you know right on um, before just just couldn't get the traction.
1: Well, I mean. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure how to field that question, but I'll try. Um, you know, there's a saying in entrepreneurship that being early is the same as being wrong. If you're an entrepreneur and you create a company and your idea is too early, it doesn't feel like there's anybody that wants to buy your product or use your product. Uh, it's hard to raise money, and you can't really distinguish it between whether your idea was bad or whether your idea was just too early. And I think there's a lot of examples of ideas that come back around. I know about four years ago, I'd heard of a couple of groups of VCs that were scanning back issues of Wired magazine to look for ideas in you know, the 1998, 1999 timeframe, 2000 timeframe that uh, were out there, that were conceived as uh, hot ideas, but that ultimately went belly up as companies because uh, maybe they were too early. So I thought that was interesting in terms of scanning bank issues to find interesting ideas that were good but just were too early. Um, you know, I think I actually think that a lot has changed in terms of the fundamental assumptions. I believe that, you know, if you just look early on, I mentioned the credit card example earlier. You know, today people don't hesitate to, when they see the, the little lock icon, to feel comfortable putting credit card data into a website. Um User rating and reputation, which was something very unfamiliar in you know, the mid-90s, has become critical to the way people use the web. Um, search, which was, you know, I remember in 1994, we would show people a search box to say, what do you think of this interface? And people wouldn't know what to search for. You know, you'd say we search for anything, and eventually they'd search for their name and see what they thought. Today, we reflexively search for anything. Um, the notion that the web is a place not for just reading, but for contributing, uh, through the concepts of user-generated content. You know, I really think a lot of our assumptions about how we use the web um, go through these cycles every four or five, three or four to five years of some new idea, be it user-generated content or putting credit cards on the web or storing data uh, in the web or using web-based applications like uh, Google Docs, and they become mainstream over the course of three or four to five years. So I do think that you have these waves that go through, and I think that's a lot about how the web continues
0: to evolve. Okay, well, as I said, we could we could go on talking about this for a while, but, Joe, thank you very much for taking the time, um, and uh, it will be, be exciting for all of us to see how the, the social web evolves in the years to come. Thanks, Kevin. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.